Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. Um, and today we have Lucas Price, the uh, CEO and founder of Yardstick. And without further ado, we'd love to hear more about your company and what you guys do over there. Yeah, Andy, thanks for having me. Yardstick is solves the waste and loss from failed sales hires with tools that uh, add structure and governance to the interview process for sales roles, and then track the progress of new hires against the hiring criteria. And so what you find, uh, uh, you know, when sales, a, a very high percentage of sales hires fail, it's the highest failure rate of any role. It's, it's uh, over 40%. And when a new hire, a new sales hire fails, the cost is like incredibly high. You know, we think about the recruiter costs and stuff like that, but it's much higher than that. The opportunity cost of what you could have been selling if you'd had the right person in that seat. And by the time you replace them and train someone new and ramp them up, you've typically lost about 70% of the annual quota. So it's a really expensive problem. And there are ways uh, to solve the problem. And we've tried to build all of that into the software, add the governance, add the structure for your interviewing team so that they become great at interviewing salespeople very quickly. Great. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. And it's kind of been a joke in the industry over the years. It's it's kind of like a turnstile. They just, they're in and out all the time, salespeople. <laughs> yeah. And you tend to find one of two situations. One, like, you know, you're a small company and the hire is extremely high leverage. Like it's really going to set you back when you're, you're hiring your first few salespeople if they don't work out. Yep. And so like really, really uh, getting those right is important when you're, when you're a young company or you're a, uh, uh, um, further along in your growth journey and you're hiring salespeople very regularly and the dollar values that start to add up when you're hiring people every quarter, they get gigantic if you can't figure out how to get that failure rate you know, under 10% instead of over 40%. Definitely. And what do you think are some of the main reasons why uh, salespeople tend to fail so easily in their roles? I, I think that um, there's a lot, when we're looking at salespeople, there, there can be a big halo effect. There's all kinds of biases that can affect us, but there can be a really big halo effect where it's like, oh, this person has a great story. They came from the right industry. They came from the right company. They have the right Rolodex. And the things that are more important are, are the traits that they have. And, and so you have to be able to figure out how to, how to, uh, quantify and measure and get to whether they have the right traits instead of just, you know, like a lot of the rules of thumb with hiring salespeople, like come from a company I admire. Mm -hmm. Well, that company might have a ton of marketing mm -hmm. resources that your company doesn't have. The context may have been different that they were selling in. And so a lot of the rules of thumb that we use for hiring salespeople don't work the way they work in a lot of other roles. Yeah, that's definitely a great point that you brought up there because, you know, it's not an apples to apples comparison between companies always. What they've done in the past doesn't always translate to your company. Uh, to your point, especially if they're an SMB and you might have limited resources, you might be looking for somebody in that particular case that might be a little bit more resourceful and might have, you know, a really strong network. So maybe if they don't have the, you know, the marketing resources, they have people they can call on to be able to get in the door and start getting some sales going, just built on reputation alone. Yeah, I, I always encourage hiring managers to try to be more flexible in terms of how they think of experience and be more strict in terms of how they think of the traits that they need to succeed. Um, the, uh, you know, you, you mentioned resourcefulness. That's, that's a really important one. Like we can, a, a lot, we'll have a lot of times hiring managers will have this rule of thumb, like, 
I like to hire former college athletes, or they came from this great company. And those things, uh, or again, I mentioned the Rolodex before. I think that when people are asked, when hiring manager asks, would you rather hire someone who has a great Rolodex or a history of high performance? They know that the right answer is a history of high performance, mm -hmm. but when it's not put, put to them that way, they tend to overemphasize the Rolodex and overemphasize yeah. these things that are the wrong things. And mm -hmm. so, you know, resourcefulness, adaptability, history of achievement, uh, you know, these are some of the things that really matter in lots of sales roles. Every sales role is a little bit different, but these are the tens of the sorts of things that tend to matter in lots of sales roles, less so than I was a college athlete or I worked at, you know, such and such a company. Um, and so I think like keeping focused on the right things and, and really like it's easy to know what company what someone worked at or what their what their background was in terms of athletics. And it's harder to know. Does this person have a history of excellence? Is this person adaptable? Are they are they uh, resourceful? And so you have to have the right tools to to interview and measure those things because those things are harder to discover, but they're more important than the things that we tend to use as rules of thumb. That's a great point. I know your product specializes in that. Uh, would you be able to potentially dive in a little bit uh, to how your how your product works and how it helps you know not only onboard great new salespeople but kind of measure their performance? Yeah. So when you when you um, are starting a new role with Yardstick, we have a bunch of profiles for different types of sellers uh, of sales roles within Yardstick. And when you select the profile that's closest to what you're hiring, you now have completely built all of the interviews you're going to do, all of the questions you're going to ask and the guidance for each question. Now, there's an editor. We usually like to tell customers at that point, you're 80 to 90% of the way done. There's an editor to edit all of that, to take it the last 10 to 20% to make it very specific to your company. Mm -hmm. And so now, and, and uh, generally, if people are asked to do an interview without a lot of specific instruction, the, um, the predictive value of that interview is a little bit better than flipping a coin. It's about 20% better than flipping a coin. But there's a bunch of steps that are part of all of these playbooks that you'll get from Yardstick once you've selected a profile that can that can make it 85 to 90 percent better than flipping a coin instead of 20 percent better than flipping a coin. And those steps are things like asking every candidate the same question, having work samples, which in case of sales is, you know, is role plays, um, using a using um, behavioral based interview questions, filling out a scorecard with the traits at the end of the process. And so. All of that is built into the process. It's really going to create the governance to make sure that your team follows those steps. And then after you've made the hire, we'll then periodically send out little surveys, very short performance surveys to the stakeholders that are working most closely with the new seller, where we'll ask them to assess the new employee on the same traits that they were being evaluated for during the interview process. And so it helps close the loop on the interview process and see, hey, you know, what's predictive about it, what's not, and how should we adjust it to continue to make better hiring decisions in the future? And it gives you the information you need to intervene early, whether it's like a really high performer and intervene early means make sure that you clear the roadblocks for them to succeed, or it's a good performer, but not a great performer. And there's issues that you can address really quickly to get them back up to great. Or in the, you know, in the few times where you'll make a hiring mistake, it can 
alert you faster that, hey, this one's not working out the way that we thought it would. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the sake of everybody, we should, you know, figure out what actions to take around that. And so those are, yeah, so that's kind of a, a, a brief overview of how the product works. We add an, we make sure you have all those steps in there so that you become, you know, 90% better than a coin flip instead of 20% better than a coin flip in, in your hiring decisions. I like that. And it sounds like you guys, since you're collecting a lot of data, you might be, be able to do a lot of predictive analysis on, you know, going forward, you know, people in certain roles, like what traits tend to perform really well. And as you get more, more hires and people onboarded through your system, your, your system can more ac accurately predict in advance, maybe even who's going to be successful on the role and who isn't. That's right. And one of the, one of the, the great things about the boom we've had in AI and machine learning and, and, you know, new models and new different types of models is that, you know, we can, we can, use models that work across a large swath of sales roles and then also start to see faster where your specific sales role might be diverging from the larger models. And, you know, that's one of the things uh, machine learning and AI allows us to do that took a lot longer to do when you were kind of doing just simple regression. Yep. And so we, so, so uh, you use the system. We have a lot of intelligence to give you about how to, how to make effective sales hires. And then as you use it more and more, we can start to point out to you how your sales hires are, are different than, than the, the profile that you selected early on. That's really neat. So what got you into all this? Um, you've been in sales roles before. Uh, give us a little bit more about your background. Yeah. So in my previous job, it was really my previous job that inspired this. In my previous job, I was the VP of sales at ZipWhip for a little over five years. I built the team that took ZipWhip from less than the sales team that took ZipWhip from less than a million dollars in ARR to over a hundred million dollars in ARR. ZipWhip sold two years ago to Twilio for 850 million. But I did a lot of hiring. I started in that role as a pretty green sales leader and, and really had to like make mistakes and, and adjust quickly. And I learned a couple of things in that role. Like one of the things I learned is that me as a sales leader the biggest effect, the, the, the biggest thing that I could do to influence my career trajectory was the, the hires that I made, the sales hires that I made. But that was true not only for me, that was also true for everyone else in the sales organization. You know, when you make great hires, they ramp faster, they learn faster, they create a positive feedback loop into the organization. When you're, you know, hiring sales managers, it's incredibly important to the career development of the sellers, the sales managers that you hire and the sale and the and the executives, the, the directors and up as well. It's incredibly important to the managers who you hire their career trajectory. And so everyone you hire has like a big impact on the career trajectory of everyone else within the sales organization. So I realized that that was incredibly important. And then at the same time, I also realized that it always felt like other things were more urgent besides the hiring process. <laughs> Just get them and in. <laughs> there's, you know, there's end of quarter, there's board meetings, there's, you know, one-on-ones, there's planning for next year and compensation plans and territories. There's all these other things that like feel urgent. And so what I wanted to do with Yardstick is build a product for that sales leader that I was where I could do nine, where I could build the the product did ninety percent of the work for them in terms of building the incredible process, and then their team can start coming in and working the the process. And and you know some people have asked me, well, why didn't you build an assessment tool, a written assessment, or a computer assessment where the seller you know fills out questions about their personality and ends up with the same results? And the answer for that is like 
the, the interview process is the most predictive part of the hiring process. And assessments are great. And we recommend that our customers use assessments. There's assessment companies that we partner with, but the interview process is the most important part of that. And so that's what we focused on. That's what I believe in, you know, is, is where I could deliver the most value for those sales leaders that are in, in the shoes that I was in. And so that's kind of my background and how my background led into, led into Yardstick. That's funny. Every, uh, every entrepreneur I interview always has that 90% of them, at least <laughs> always have the problem. And they realize a bunch of other people have that problem too. And so, you know, in my opinion, are really in the best position to be able to solve that problem because they're so close to it and actually understand it and understand the customer's, uh, the, the customer's problem and know how to go about it. So, uh, congrats that you, uh, went, went off on your own path and, uh, uh, took the initiative there. Yeah, thank you. It's it's been a lot of fun, um, and it continues to be a lot of fun. And I I love being able to work with sales leaders and sales managers to to help them succeed. And and you know, and, and I know that that will end up accelerating their career path as well. Yes. Uh, what sales tips do you have for SMB owners to uh, you know, or maybe their sales teams to close more deals in two thousand twenty three? Yeah. So one of the things that you see in the broader landscape is um, a lot of sellers that were succeeding a couple years ago are no longer succeeding in this environment. You know, everything is tougher than it has been. And I think that, you know, one of the keys to succeeding in today's environment is really being great at discovery, like really under, you know, understanding your ICP, um, being able to uh, get to the things that are to their their big priorities and understanding how your product fits in that priority. So that very beginning of the sales process where you've you've you know they've heard your pitch or they've seen it online and they're interested in talking to you and like really understanding the situation that they're in and how you can help them ends up you know there's a bunch of stage state steps between there and closing the deal, but that like doing that first step well. Um, and continuing to do discovery and learn more about their business problems and how you can help them, you know, ends up, ends up being the biggest accelerant and, and the biggest changer in your in your uh, close closing rate through the process. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, because, you know, in the world of automation, <clears throat> you know, it's great to be able to use all these tools to like send out a bunch of email pitches and LinkedIn automation and all that. But um, what what I'm finding more is that people are starting to really resonate more with with the. Uh, something that's more personalized, right? Like, is this pitch tailored for me? Like, are you being authentic? Um, do you actually understand my problem? And does your pitch really help kind of align that you have a potential solution to it? Um, so, you know, I've seen more, the more people do that as well, uh, the more success that they have too. But to your point, it all comes down to even having a more hyper focus on really understanding that ICP and understanding what their problem is and then seeing how you could best align with it right up front, uh, before you get ignored like the rest of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you mentioned ICP and I, I think that, you know, you can't overemphasize that enough. Like one of the, the uh, again, one of the biggest things that a, that a sales leader or an SMB owner can do is really narrow who they're focused on marketing to and selling to, to those customers that are going to have the highest propensity to buy at the at the right dollar value for their product. And so getting really specific on ICP, getting really focused on this is who we want to sell to. This is who we want to, you know, this is the ecosystem that we want to be part of in terms of going to conferences and getting known within this ecosystem. And these other things that are a little bit tangential, 
you know, maybe they come later, but right now we want to focus on until we've really saturated our best market, we want to focus on our best market, not our second or third best market. That's yeah, uh, the tried and true principle of uh, establishing a beachhead. <laughs> yeah. um, I see a lot of a lot of startups go about it where they think, you know, they want everyone to be their customer. <laughs> and it's, you know, just too broad of a pitch. It doesn't really align with anyone. It's, the, you know, the jack of all trades is the master of none <laughs> sort of thing. Um, what other tried and true sales strategies do you have that you would recommend for uh, sales managers or SMB owners that want to get get more sales going for the organization? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, broad question. I'm trying to rack my brain here about a little bit where to start. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I think, I, I mean, I think that there's, you know, some of the things we're talking about. It starts with hiring the right people. You know, I, I. I all the all the best sales leaders that I know will always tell you that you know having um, the best people with a few flaws in your product, the be best sellers with a few flaws in your product, a few flaws in your marketing is a lot better than having the wrong salespeople and having everything else nailed. You know, if you could only have one or the other, like the best people is more important than everything else being the best. And so I think it starts with the best people. Like I said, you know, I think that you got to make the best of your opportunities by doing great discovery. And that discovery reverberates through the whole process. You got to really know who to target and who to not target. Um, and then, uh, you know, make sure that you know what your what your plan is with your customers. You know, the, I, there's lots of names for it, but I think the most common one is the mutual action plan. Mm -hmm. Having a shared document with your prospective customers around what your sales process is going to look like, what, what steps need to be checked off in order to continue to move on, what the, the timelines you are working together to achieve those so that deals don't get left in limbo forever and you kind of know what the sales plan is and it's something that you're working on mutually together. I think those are kind of the, the pillars that I would, uh, that I would start with in terms of coming in and, and uh, um, in terms of tried and true tips. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it all starts with the uh, the quality of the team. You know, the right people for the job can, you know, make anything happen. <laughs> so, you know, you could uh, find the tools and resources for them as you come along. But um, I guess what other tools are are available, speaking of that, for our four sales teams today that you would recommend? You know, obviously hiring is a very important one, like what your tool offers. Is there any other software tools or, or products that you see that are being used more by sales teams uh, these days that help them become more effective? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a product for everything available right now, and it can be very overwhelming as a, yeah. as a sales leader and as a buyer. Um, you know, I, I I there's lots of people have different opinions about their favorite sales engagement platform and you know video recording platform and whatever. I, I'm I love Outreach as you know a tool that kind of does a lot of the different pieces for it. It has the sales engagement. They have a they have a um, a live video tool where it'll give you information about the competitors that get mentioned. It'll help you know get your get your uh, um, sellers up to speed faster because of the live information that it gives you during your Zoom calls. Uh, and so, I love Outreach as a tool. Um, you know, I, I I use Apollo for data yeah. uh, for you know for getting contact data and and uh, narrowing in on the ICP, um, but. Uh, I don't know. There's so many good choices out there right now. It's hard to, it, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm reticent to say that um, these are the best or these are the only ones, but these are definitely the ones that I, that I have worked the best for me. 
Yeah, definitely some reputable names. So you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess what do you uh, where do you see sales roles evolving over the next year and beyond? Maybe even um, I know technology is having a, a big impact on everybody's roles and organizations today. Um, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that uh, you know we talked before about how some of the sellers who were succeeding in the height of the COVID boom are not succeeding now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that like the challenges of succeeding are, are only going to get higher. They're on, it's only going to get more difficult over time. There's um, the marketplace is more crowded now than it's ever been, but it's only going to continue to get more crowded. And so I think that, uh, you know, sellers need to have the right, right ecosystems, including places like Nacho Nacho that their that their companies are part of in order to bring in the right kinds of uh, prospective customers. And they just, they need to continue to hone their sales skills and practice their sales skills and develop. Um, because I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, yes, like maybe we're in a bit, bit of a tech recession and maybe in, it, it'll partly get easier in the coming months and years. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the marketplace is only going to get crowded, more crowded. And mm -hmm. any marketing channel that succeeds eventually gets flooded. And, you know, we've seen that with email as a cold prospecting tool where it's like very, very hard. You know, I think only the, the top 10% of emails right now matter. Maybe it's more like the top 2% of cold prospecting emails right now break through it all. And I think that with AI that it's only going to get more crowded. Yeah. And so I think that we're going to continue, you know, we're going to have to continue to find channels that work. Uh, you know, there's like LinkedIn has worked really well for a lot of people, but more and more people are trying to break through on LinkedIn now. And so you got, you know, so sellers are going to continue to need to work to try to find the channels that haven't gotten flooded yet, but the channels that work that haven't got flooded yet will be come flooded. And so it's always a challenge to stay yeah. out of the pack. And I think we're just going to continue to see more and more of that. Definitely. Now, one thing I've seen is a resurgence of a resurgence of events. And I was at New York Tech Week last week, you know, met a lot of great people there. And it just, you know, really you know, made me think about how, you know, important events have been and always will be, especially in today's world, right? Just getting that face, face time with people, um, it, it's a lot more impactful, you know, in my opinion. And I think uh, if, if you have the right targeted events for your company too, that you could really get in front of the right prospective customers and not just be like some name online, some email that lands in their inbox, just like a hundred others throughout the day. Um, they could actually, you know, you know, get to know the people behind the company and actually want to do business with you guys. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts about the impact of events coming back um, in 2023 and after everything after COVID essentially? I totally agree. You know, when you go to an event, you're going to talk to people who don't have the problem that you solve, but it's a way to break through. Like people are going to listen to you, to what you do when you meet them. And so it's a way to break through the noise and at least, you know, build awareness. And then you are going to find some people that do have the problem that you solve as well. And so getting out there, working really hard at events. And then when you have people who are kind of mid cycle with you, I think that like, you know, being face to face, is a great way to sort of strengthen the next three or four steps in the sales process, you know, kind of review what they are and lay them out. Um, and so I think of, I, I told, I think events are incredibly effective right now. And, and just cause it, it, those face-to-face one-on-one -on -one conversations are definitely a way to break through the noise 
and and you know get people's attention on on what you're working on together. Um, so yeah. How about the use of like video tools? I've seen a lot more companies use video and, you know, for me even just, yeah, video seems to capture your attention a lot more than just reading text in an email. Like a lot of people are using these embeddable preview like snippets um, or like dub video where you could uh, record like a little intro video of your product, real quick one uh, to kind of explain what you do in an elevator pitch. What, what are your thoughts on uh, the video tools out there? Yeah, I, I think that they, um, it's it's a good idea. I'm not familiar with all of them. I mean, I'm familiar with Loom, and I've seen now that that Zoom had has added yeah, like Loom so many other, yeah inside Zoom. And so, I think I I would say that um, to me it does feel like a a channel that's not flooded. You know, I mean, even though it's competing inside an email channel or or a LinkedIn messaging channel that is flooded, it's still it's a way to stand out within that channel. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it's surprising in some ways that more salespeople don't use it because it does cut through. Uh, I I've, I've heard about the types of tools that you're talking about where I, you know, I think what you're referring to is I, I, I'm not familiar with any of them specifically, but I've read about things like where, you know, AI can do the customization of like saying your name or something like that in your own voice in the video. So you don't have to record the video over and over again. Now, the danger of that is that that, you know, could end up flooding the channel. But in the meantime, <laughs> exactly. It always does. It seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My, uh, my uh, brand guy today was showing me a video he did with Hey Jen and it was just literally a copy of him. It was, it was pretty crazy to see actually. Um, but yeah, to your point, everything gets flooded eventually. So it's just all about, you know, getting on the trend and, you know, being a part of that before the next thing comes out. But now at the end of the day, you could always, you know, go back to the more personalization, the better, the more human, uh, you come across, the more human, the more you humanize your brand, especially I think in B2B these days, the more you could actually really connect with the audience, uh, audiences in such an impersonal automated world. <laughs> I do have a little bit of a hot take on that. Um, go ahead. I think that relevance is more important than personalization. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm emailing you and I really research you and I, and I, and I point out like that I've researched you in the email with a problem that you just don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Know, then all that personalization is gone for not. Where if I send you like kind of, maybe it's not a very personalized email. It's maybe it's not even a great email, but it's a problem of something that you have and that you're investigating right now. Yeah. you're more likely to respond to that positively than to the personalized email. And so yeah. I think like talking about that, we were talking about the ICP earlier, like really understanding like what are the things that might be happening inside a company and how can I find out whether those things are happening inside the company? Yeah. I think like to me, that's more important than personalization. I know that's not, you know, maybe a popular view right now, um, but there's a, there's a product blueprint gtm.com that, you know, um, a friend of mine is, it's a startup a friend of mine, Jordan Crawford is building where it's really about helping you find those triggers inside the company mm -hmm. to know when to reach out. Um, and so I, I, I do feel like, you know, fi finding those events of relevance are going to become more and more important over time. And I would argue even more important than personalization. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. And I totally agree. Yeah, definitely personalization comes after that. So you're thinking a little bit higher level. <laughs> I mean, you're the pro. So <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely know your customer, get right to the uh, right to the problem. And, you know, if you have a solution for it, then people are really going to care. But if you don't, you know, if they don't have that problem, then you, you're uh, kind of speaking to deaf ears there. Yeah. 
great. Yeah, story. I mean, just as an example, like at Yardstick, we really like to find companies, and this isn't the easiest data to find, but we really like to find companies where they're promoting their, you know, some of their managers internally. Because yep. now you have AE, they were AEs and now they're managers, and they want and, and they want these new managers to be great at interviewing. Yep. And these managers probably don't have much interviewing experience. And so so we really love to and, and the company's growing. Like that's a good signal for us if they're promote they're, they're probably yep. growing if they're promoting AEs to become sales managers. Yep. And so like that's the type of thing where it's an indication that we're relevant at just the right time that we think is, you know, can be more powerful in, in the cold outreach than the personalization is like, hey, you know, they're they're growing their team. They have managers without a lot of interviewing experience. We can make them great at interviewing and, and sales talent selection very quickly. You know, that's to us, those are sort of relevant signals that are more important than, than the personalization. You guys got to tell then. <laughs> uh, so what, what's next for uh, for Yardstick over the next few years? What are you guys, uh, what kind of exciting things are you guys working on? Yeah, well, we're continuing to do more. Like we, we see a lot of opportunities to use machine learning and AI and large language models to enhance the product. We see opportunities to, um, as I was saying before, uh, really help companies like take, take the internal documentations around culture, the culture and values of a company, information about the customers, information about their current sellers, and, and use that to build their profile for them, build their ideal candidate profile for them in a way that's like much more accurate than, you know, managers' opinions and the, uh, that, that, that ends up building them today. And so we see some like really great opportunities around that. Uh, we also see opportunities to uh, ex expand using large language models to kind of keep the quality of interviewing very, very high while also, um, you know, really making it sort of like, like, a, like super customized where it's kind of an unlimited library of profiles instead of a specific library of profiles. Yeah. And then, uh, and so we, we think these are things that can continue to lead to better and better hiring decisions. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the, the, the things, but, but our focus is really on, is going to continue to be on helping sales leaders and sales managers make the best hiring decisions possible and accelerate their careers that way. And, and, and we really see like a huge potential roadmap to continuing to improve that. Sounds like you guys dialed, dialed it in and you know your customer well. <laughs> That's what we're going for. There you go. Well, uh, Lucas, thanks again so much for coming on today. Uh, anybody interested in Yardstick, check it out in Nacho Nacho's B2B SaaS marketplace, uh, the best way to buy SaaS, um, or feel free to go to their website. It's, is it yardstick.com? Yardstick.team. .team. Okay, even better. Yeah, see their focus on team first. Um, well, once again, Lucas, uh, thanks again so much. It's always great to talk to uh, fellow Seattle people, and uh, we look forward to growing together with your company. Thanks for having me, Andy. You too, bud. Bye. Bye.